four years ago, I was ordained here in this sanctuary, and I was installed as your associate pastor. That day in July, everything was new. I met many of you for the first time in the parlor down the hall when the service had ended. There were refreshments, but there was also a receiving line, and so I was too busy with hugs and handshakes to really eat much of anything. You were so kind. I remember worrying that I would never learn your names. It was lovely. And it was also a lot. So when the parlor cleared and the hallways were quiet, I was happy, a bit relieved, and very hungry. My parents, my husband Elijah and I, had dinner plans with my friend and mentor Jason a fellow pastor who had flown in from Philadelphia to preach the service. Jason's aunt and uncle, who live in Austin, also joined us for dinner down the road at the Grove. And when we arrived, the host seated our party of seven all the way in the cafe, away from other diners. This was odd, but then I realized that he had done us a favor. He'd essentially given us a private room. Here we had space to savor the moment and quietness to hear one another. And so with wine in hand and food on the way, we got to talking. When the plates came out, I asked my friend Jason if he would bless our meal, and he said that he would using the blessing he used with his children at home. I thought of the short perhaps perfunctory blessings of my own childhood. Lord, make us truly thankful for these and all thy many blessings. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, let's eat. But that wasn't what Jason had in mind. As our meal sat steaming before us, my friend directed that we all go around the table and say what we were thankful for. And I'll admit to you, I was irritated. It wasn't Thanksgiving Day. And I was hungry. But as each person took a turn and as together we said amen, I was won over. It was good to be grateful. Today is the last day of our summer playlist sermon series. And it is my last opportunity to preach for you as your associate pastor. Our theme today, aptly, is songs of gratitude. And we will begin with a reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, which concerns gratitude as part of the life of faith. As we prepare to hear God's word, let us pray. Living, loving God, open our ears, to listen, open our hearts to contemplate, and open our minds to understand the wisdom of your holy word. May we find comfort here as well as challenge. Refresh us, teach us, and transform us. Be our way, our truth, and our life, now and always. Amen. Hear these words from Colossians, the third chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. 
As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In high school, I had to wear a uniform, plaid skirt, Oxford button-down. It was school policy. My friends and I used to complain a lot about our uniforms, saying that they constrained our individuality. We made rebellious little edits to them, like we would color in the white panes of tartan on our skirts with highlighters and gel pens. We would mend our ripped hems, not with thread, but with staples and safety pins. I used to wear an out-of-uniform peacoat. I wore it for years without getting a demerit, much to the envy of unluckier friends. But I guess my teachers could see what I saw. I made that boring uniform look really cool. <laughs> as much as my friends and I griped, the truth, of course, was that we loved our uniforms. Waking up in the morning, we never had to think about what to wear. Our uniforms were soft and cozy after years of wearing and sometimes washing them. Our uniforms united us. They made us part of something bigger and at their best, and here comes the paradox, our uniforms set us free from self-consciousness so that we could learn and grow and become more fully ourselves. Looking back, I wouldn't change the experience, which I think means I'm grateful for it. What Paul offers in his letter to the Colossians is a Christian uniform. We are called, Paul says, to clothe ourselves in a new and specific way. We are called to wear compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and above all, we are called to clothe ourselves in love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Elsewhere in Colossians, Paul has talked about what not to wear. But here he is encouraging, he's positive, try this on, you'll see. Paul knew that by putting on love, by practicing love daily, the Colossian church would discover not tedious conformity, no, they would discover peace, unity, and purpose. They would find a lot to be grateful for in the life of faith. Paul's advice was to lean into that. Be thankful, he said. Sing out your thanks to God. And not only that, whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you see in this passage, love is the main point, but gratitude has the last word. So, gratitude. I don't know about you, but I don't find it easy just to be thankful, like Paul says. Often, I have to rely on structures, on rituals of gratitude to remind me. And I think this might be true for many of us. We have a way of putting gratitude in its place. Like we say table blessings. We write thank you notes. We wave when other drivers let us merge. We're basically polite. We send text messages that sparkle with hearts and smiles and prayer hands. And we do our best. We do our best in tough situations to find the bright side. Isn't that what it means to live gratefully or at least to live gratefully enough? If it were, I think we would know it. I think we would feel it. Something's missing. I've been thinking about that night at dinner when my friend asked what we were thankful for. Why did it matter? Why did it work? Why is it what I most remember from that very memorable day? Was it that we slowed down amidst the celebration to reflect? Was it that we paid attention consciously to the moment? Was it that we spoke aloud, that we put blessing into words? Or was it that we heard others saying what never would have occurred to us? Yes, all of the above. In hindsight, I can see that we were participating in what the mystic Jean-Pierre de Cassade called the sacrament of the present moment. The sacrament of the present moment. We saw God's grace right in front of us and we dared to acknowledge it. We dared to engage it. We said, this is it. This is it. These earthly things, this food, these people, this place, this time, these things are divine. And this means that they're not random or unimportant, even if they are temporary. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. And true gratitude is seeing that, knowing that, and living as if it's true. That night we caught a glimpse of gratitude. We made a start at it. But you know, those kinds of experiences, they don't just magically change everything. Gratitude remains hard because life is hard. Sometimes the giftedness of life is hidden. And if I asked you to name things that you aren't thankful for, I imagine you would have a quick response or several. I would... Moving is stressful. A swarm of wasps has built a nest under my patio table. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the pandemic rolls on. I look out here and I see your masked faces. We're in stage five. The ICUs are full. 
to give thanks in all circumstances, as Paul writes elsewhere, it starts to sound kind of silly, senseless, even heartless. These are hard times for gratitude. And yet, you know, if I'm honest, I can't blame the situation. It's me too. I haven't made room for gratitude. Gratitude takes time, and my days are full. Gratitude takes attention, and mine is shot. I've made gratitude a kind of bonus in my life. I just keep hoping it'll happen accidentally. It doesn't. Through the years, I've collected several of the poet Mary Oliver's books, including one called Thirst, published in 2006. Oliver wrote the poems in this book as she grieved the death of her beloved partner of over 40 years, the photographer Molly Malone Cook. Grief, as you can imagine, is a major theme in this work, but so is faith, because it was in the midst of Oliver's loss at a low point in her life, not at a high point, that she began in her 70s to explore faith for the first time in her life and in her work. And these are her words in a poem called Praying. I believe they can offer us encouragement. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. And then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks. And a silence in which another voice may speak. The thing about gratitude is that you and I can start small. And we can start right where we are, even in the fog of grief, as Mary Oliver did, or in the fourth wave of a global pandemic. We can start with attention to weeds, with attention to small stones. We can start with discussion around our kitchen tables at lunch today. We can start with prayers that aren't just lists of what we want and need, but prayers that are acknowledgments of all that we have and all that we are. We have enough. We are enough. From God's fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And as our awareness of God's abundant grace deepens, little by little, our lives begin to change. Gratitude will change your life. When we truly see and appreciate things as they are, we find a peace that is far beyond smug satisfaction. When we see and appreciate things as they are, we see what must be done. The writer Anne Lamott puts it this way. She writes, saying and meaning thanks leads to a crazy thought. What more can I give? What more can I give? And then she says, you know, we take the action first by giving. And then the insight follows that this, this giving, it fills us. 
when we see how generous God has been with us, we delight in doing the same. Giving to others fills us. And it's in this way that grace works through us and out into the world. And friends, that has never been more needed than it is right now. When night fell on the grove, our plates were clean, our glasses were empty, our hearts and our bellies were full. Our server walked over, surely to hand us the bill. My dad looked up and reached for his wallet. But our server shook her head. Your bill is paid, she said. Everyone was surprised. But knowing you, even to the little extent that I did then, I should not have been shocked. I still don't know who it was. And in this congregation, it's not like there's one generous person who you can pin it on. I have my suspicions, but I'll never ask, and please don't tell me. Don't tell me. I am grateful now as I was then, but it's become so much more than that. You see, for me... That gift has become a symbol. That gift has become a sign of the grace that I have known among all of you. The grace that was always more abundant even than I could see at the time because it was grace that came from God. We were sitting around that table talking like we knew what to be thankful for. But at that very moment, even more was in the works. There's always more. When I was still a stranger, you welcomed me and bought my dinner, but you didn't stop there. Amidst challenges, amidst changes, you believed in me, you trusted me, you were patient with me, compassionate, forbearing, forgiving, kind. In so many ways for so long, you wear our uniform well. And you, I have seen the love and the grace of God overflowing time and again. I have so much to be thankful for. You do too. We all do. And we know what to do about it.